All who gather in this holy place, bless the Lord. And all who call upon the God who saves, bless the Lord. And if your sins have been washed away, bless the Lord. And if you stand only by His grace, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord.
2021 is here. Amen. <laughs> uh, just a reminder, if you're in the room, if you want to stand and worship with us, you're more than welcome. If you are tuning in online, uh, I'm saying every week, just uh, don't be a spectator. Join in with us. Everything else is worthless compared to knowing Christ my Lord and the power that raised you from the dead. Your love cannot be measured. Your grace and mercy knows no end. And you gladly pour them out on us. And oh, I love you.
guys would please stand with me as we read the scripture. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is because of his great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by His power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. From heaven's throne, you came to us and set your heart upon the cross we'll never know the sacrifice you made for all our sin and all our shame you took the nails you took our place and no one else could do what you have done One name is higher One name is stronger Than any grave Than any throne Christ exalted over all And from the you rose again and brought us life you're reigning now the savior of the world oh you're reigning now the savior of the world and one name is
is the answer that everybody's asking, especially if things in the world seem to be going out of control. Turn your eyes on Jesus. That is the answer. I know it sounds churchy, but it's the answer. Stop looking at the world. It is going to fail. Prophecy will come true no matter how much you study it. It's going to happen. God is going to come back, and he's going to set up his kingdom, and it is going to be everything you ever dreamed, but not yet. So we must maintain our ministry, we must maintain our task, we must maintain our church's task. With that said, if there's any kids here through third grade, we have GPS going on, you're dismissed at this time for your programming, most of them have already left. It's good to see so many of you back. I know it's going to be over the next six months, we're going to kind of creep in a little bit, and some of you are being, you know, you need to be wise at home, but uh, know that the children's ministry is up and going, and I'm really excited, don't worry, I'm going to get you, Katie. Don't. <laughs> We are so excited because uh, Alicia, over this time, has been reviewing the, so the, uh, the, the material that we use, and we, uh, she's beginning uh, to do the Bible Project material now on Sunday mornings. That will take every one of our children through the whole Bible in two years. That's awesome. Amen. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Did, did you know that? Amen. And that's what we're going to do from children all the way through. More on that in a little bit. This morning's a special morning. Uh, if you're in the room or watching, because this morning I'm going to set some vision and kind of explain where we are as a church and where we're going this year. Don't worry, it's going to be from Scripture. Uh, but before that, one of our children who grew up in our children's ministry, in our high school ministry, and is now one of our missionaries who's actually working with Students International, I'll give this to you, and doing kind of a dual college and mission work uh, and we're supporting her as a church, the, the mission side. Students International is one of the groups that we participate with uh, in Guatemala. So we send groups each year to Guatemala, and it's a privilege. I think you're the first one from our church that's grown up and gone to, gone to serve with them. So uh, I wanted Katie to share with you kind of what's going on in her life and world, and then I'll do some announcements, and then we'll get into our message. So Katie, go ahead. Okay. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, first off, I've missed you guys. It's... <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, this opportunity has been very, very eye-opening and a very good learning experience and growing experience for sure. Living in the DR has taught me so much about culture and the world, myself, and above all, God, and just how big he is. Um, the thing that made the transition easier, because it is hard living in a different country, was knowing that God was with me every step of the way and knowing that he opened the doors to make it possible, and one of those doors is you guys, Carpenter's Way. Um, I want to thank you all for being such a generous and encouraging church family. I did grow up here, and I probably never would have ended up doing this program if it wasn't for your constant love and support throughout the years. So something about the program, um, like Mark said, is it's called the Global Bridge. It's run by Students International, which some of you may be familiar with their program in Guatemala. They have two bases in the DR, and one in Santiago, the other in Jarabacoa, and they do mission sites, just like they do in Guatemala. So our sites in the DR are appropriate technology, sports sites, two clinics, and women's social work, which is the one I had the honor of serving in. We worked with young girls ages 10 to 13 in the community in the mornings, and then we worked with a group of ladies in the afternoons. We started each group with a Bible story and prayer, 
And it was incredible to see God working in the lives of people who don't have as much as we do. And especially one of the most moving things was seeing how generous the women were. They were always patient with me and my lack of Spanish speaking abilities. They were always ready to help, ready to give. We had one lady who made us hot chocolate every morning and that was great. That was a great start to the day. Um, let's see. I had a great time loving on the girls. With them, we made different crafts, like fun little things, but we also did practical things because there's not really much learning opportunities for them, especially since all the schools are closed due to COVID. So we taught them how to make simple meals to help take care of their families and how to make different hair products, like homemade hair products, so they can take care of themselves as well. Um, with the women, we made different house decorations. There was one time where we made shelves, and there was one family in particular that we helped. Um, we painted her house because she had eye surgery, and she couldn't do it by herself. So that was a very cool opportunity, and come to find out later that she was helped with multiple sites. The appropriate technology site builds water filters because there's not clean water there, so she had a water filter brought to her, so that site was loving on her. Her son was in the nutrition program at one of the clinics, so the clinic sites were loving on her. And then she was best friends with my site leader, so we went over there and hung out all the time, helped her do laundry, helped paint her house like I mentioned before. We gave their puppy a bath one day, and just doing little things to pour out on her and her family and help in little ways. Um, one other cool thing is you may know that the D Dominican Republic shares the island of Hispaniola with Haiti. So Cassidy and I were on the same island, so that was very cool. Um, also the church that we attended on Sundays is a trilingual church. So we got to worship in Spanish, English, and Creole because of the Haitian influence in that country. And it was incredible. It was like getting a glimpse of heaven, just worshiping in all those different languages. And I did have the honor of leading worship one Sunday there. And so I got to serve in the church as well. And it was just incredible all over. And I'm excited to go back and get back into the community, get back into pouring into the lives of the people in the Dominican Republic. So, any questions? Uh, talk about your team. Okay, my team is, they're all college age. Um, most of them are 18 and 19, so I am the oldest of the group, which was a little intimidating at first, but it didn't end up being a problem. We have a cool dynamic. Um, we are all spread out in different sites. Um, we've got two from California, two from Indiana. I'm the only one from Texas, so I had to represent. But, <laughs> but we, we made it work. Like it was, it was very cool to grow with people who are also in that weird stage of life where they're searching for their place in life, but we're all serving the community and we're serving each other. So it was very important for us to fill ourselves each morning with our time with God so that we could pour out in the community, but also pour out within our group so that we have love for each other as well. All right, Katie, I'm gonna pray for you. And uh, be lifting up Katie as she, how long are you here for? Um, I leave next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. And uh, I think you share through an email. You have a prayer email. So if you're interested in being in, in that group, uh, let Katie know. You can even email the office and we can forward it to her. But uh, I think you write it every Sunday. Is that correct? And uh, just updating on what's going on. Uh, let, let's pray together. For, Father, we thank you for Katie. And uh, Lord, we thank you for um, 
as we have been able to pour into her, now she pours into others. We pray you would bless her. We pray you, pray you would bless her efforts. We thank you for Student International that would set up such a ministry and a program that would help her, uh, uh, that would give her a platform, not just to get college education, but actually to serve you uh, in this full-time way. I pray for us as a church that we would continue to bring young men and young women into leadership and ministry. We pray you would bless Katie's future. You would guide and direct her. And thank you again for the privilege we have to participate with her in, in sharing the gospel globally. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks, Katie. It is, uh, it's amazing to uh, think that the last few weeks we've had several of our young people sharing here. Josh Ferguson got to, uh, preached last week. Uh, who serves with uh, Campus Crusade, and we had Cassidy, who's in, that she mentioned, and uh, Haiti, and then she's in Dominican Republic, and we've got quite a few young people serving in Angelina County. It's amazing what God allows us to do here, you guys. It really is a blessing. This isn't just something we do on Sundays. We're pouring in and making disciples, and uh, what, a, what an amazing thing. Well, um, also gone right now, we want to pray. I think he's traveling back today. Is Kevin Hudson? Jared, is he coming back today? today or tomorrow. Kevin's been in, I, I, we, we shared a couple weeks ago, he has been in Brazil. Uh, they are opening up, uh, he's on the board of Amazon Outreach, another ministry we participate with. Uh, they're the group that we go to Brazil with. He is the chairman of the board, and he and the executive director took a team down. This is the first group that's gone down the river uh, in a year, and so uh, they went down and they had a phenomenal opportunity to do ministry and, and do some things uh, administratively that need to be done, as well as minister, and we'll look forward to hearing from Kevin, but be praying for his return and that it, they end strongly. Um, so that's been exciting. Uh, this is the first Sunday where we're opening up all of our ministries. Uh, we have, as I mentioned before, we've got the children's ministry going on up through third grade during the worship service hour, and then during the 11 o'clock Bible study hour, we'll have all of our children's Bible studies going on. And uh, so for the first time in, in about 10 months, we'll have child care during that hour, but it's Bible study. Students will be meeting again during the 11 o'clock hour. And then Wednesday night, we're opening up again. So 6.30, we have discipleship going on for every age group, and uh, we encourage you to come out for that uh, as you feel uh, safe doing that. For those of you who are at home and being very careful, Wednesday night, uh, adult Bible study is going to be in this room. We'll spread out throughout. There's usually, uh, before COVID, about 80 people that come. And uh, so even if this room sits well over 500, so we'll have you spread out and uh, you can be safe and there won't be any singing. And I know some are worried about that. So we encourage you to come out and fellowship and see each other. It is awesome just to see each other. I noticed this morning we have some new families. Uh, and we're glad that you're here this morning, and, and uh, it's a good morning to visit because we're going to be talking about where we are and what we do as a church and what is our core values. And, and uh, um, the only thing I ask, and I know some of you are bothered by this, but we're going to ask it anyway. As long as the government asks us to wear masks, we're going to ask you to wear them in until you get in your seats, your Bible study. And if you want to wear them the whole time, please wear them. Uh, we we want to be wise, and, and whether you believe it's wise or not, we are to submit to the governing authorities until they ask us to, to, to violate Scripture. And this is not a violation of Scripture. 1 John 4.2 does not say don't wear masks. So just, just uh, that's what we're asking. Uh, and we are, so far, it's been a blessing. We have, uh, our, I know we've taken some conservative, or for some of you, not conservative enough, but we're doing the best we can. And so far, we haven't had an outbreak, and thank God for that. Uh, the, the only thing that I want to add to that is uh, our main mode of communication with you is email 
and texts right now. And if I know you've gotten the text and wonder where it comes from. It's like comes like 212 is the number. That's all it is. It's, and it looks like a sales. It's not. It's me. Um, I'll send a picture with it next time. Um, but, but if you could read those texts and emails, I try to put Carpenter's Way or Seaway because of the lettering in the text so you know where it's coming from. Uh, but the emails, would you read those? Because we don't have bulletins right now. And honestly, I don't know, I don't know when we're going to get back if we'll ever uh, do offerings the same way. I don't know if we'll pass a plate or communion. You know, you come in and you grab one, the little communion snack pack as you enter. Well, I don't, I don't know if we'll ever stop or start those things up again. Um, so you can give in the boxes that are out there. Uh, you'll, you'll notice because I carry one around. Um, and... <laughs> Was that a, you didn't see me doing that this morning? I'm just kidding, I don't do that. Or you can, as always, you can give online or whatnot. Uh, whatnot. I, you know, thank you again for giving. We ended the year in the black again this year. Actually, we ended the year in the blue. I don't know what it's called when you get more than you need last year. And so we're excited because the mission investment team is going to get additional monies um, to support missions. Uh, if you're not familiar with Carpenter's Way, we are unapologetically world mission oriented. And that doesn't mean all of our money goes to Haiti or, or Dominican Republic. We do a lot locally as well. Our goal is to develop leaders who serve. All of us are in mission work, every one of us. And uh, um, whether it's here or there, and so we are, we, our goal is to disciple and, and, and more on that in a minute. But please read those email and texts. And I'm trying not to send too many, uh, maybe one a week or so, so you don't get tired of them. But they're super important and very well written. Um, <laughs> And the grammar is horrific. That's why I talk for a living. All right, Louise, would you play our video and let's get into what we want to talk about today. Cool. What are you doing? Running late for curfew? What are you doing? I'm making a late night sandwich like your grandma doesn't like me to. <laughs> your secret's safe with me. <laughs> Same. So how was your party? Lame. I don't get what's so special about New Year's. Oh, what's special about New Year's? Yeah, I mean, you stay up late, everyone says, Happy New Year, and then a ball drops. Let me tell you something. I remember a year uh, you were just born. It was a very difficult year. You may not believe this, but there was no toilet paper to be found anywhere. Gross. That wasn't even the half of it. People couldn't shake hands. They couldn't hug. You didn't want to leave your house or you're afraid you might get sick. And masks. Everyone was wearing masks everywhere. You couldn't tell if somebody was smiling or frowning. That sounds weird. You couldn't go visit with family, not even at the, the holidays, you know? Then what happened? Well, that's the best part. Then God got us through it, just like he always does. That's why I like new. See, God says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. New, my dear, gives us a, a different perspective on things. Like on toilet paper, I guess. <laughs> I mean, just because it's new doesn't mean it's going to be good. You're right. You're right. That is why we hold on to the words of Jesus, who said, uh, 
in this world, you will have troubles. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. That boop is why we celebrate new. Hey, Grandpa. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Do you want ham or turkey? Apparently it doesn't work if it's muted. <laughs> Welcome to 2021. I was just saying, for those of you at home thought I was lip-syncing, <laughs> that uh, uh, this morning, we, as we open all of our children's discipleship and adult discipleship programs back after 10 or 11 months off, um, I, I wanted to make it clear that we never really stopped. And this, this goes to the core of what I want to share with you this morning. The truth is that um, we just moved them off campus, uh, into your homes. Instead of having one church location, we had 100 or 200. And the fact is that we provided you with material on Sundays and Wednesdays, our children's department, to go over with your kids. Um, and if we ever have to go back off campus again, if this rages again, I know it is right now, we will continue to provide for you what you need to disciple your kids. I'll continue to teach. Uh, and, you know, while this last year was different, God was still working. And I, I really, I really, I'm going to say some things that you've heard me say, but I want you to think about what I'm saying. God was still working in us, through us just doing it in a new and completely unexpected way. Um, life for the Hebrew people was never what they expected. But to them, God said through the Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 43, 19, I am about to do something new, to which they had to think, oh my gosh, how good is that? I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Don't you see it? I think sometimes... We're a lot like the Hebrews, the Jewish people, whose history was a tragic one of disobedience and mistrust of God, that they wanted to do their own thing, and all they prayed for was God to do their thing. They were more committed to the traditions of Judaism, to Moses' teachings that they didn't like when he was alive, than they were to Jehovah's teachings. When God... Uh, wanted to be their king, they chose a human king. When God sent a prophet to warn them, obey me, trust me, I'll take care of you, a human king is going to take advantage of you, their response was, well, we want a human king anyway. That's normal, at least we can wrestle with a human king. I believe that what God has been doing this last year, uh, despite, and it's, it's so hard, 
Somebody even asked me this morning, hey, did you watch this video? I watch very little preaching because I find it infuriating. I don't know why it makes us feel better to think that God's judgment is upon the earth. Have you never read this book? God's judgment has been upon the earth since Genesis 4. Have you, have you never read how it ends? I'm not sure what all this prophecy talk is about because they're talking angry as if we can stop it. I, I read this week somebody talking about the vaccine. It's them softening us up for the mark of the beast. Well, it's coming whether you're softened up for it or not. Child of God, here's my advice. If it has a six, a six, and a six on it, don't take it. If it's associated with worship other than God, don't take it. But it's almost like we're upset, and not, not we, but the body of Christ in general is super upset that our traditional programming has been upended while the truth has never been forbidden from us to teach. We're upset because we can't do what we've always done. And it's not just exclusive to other churches. Carpenters wave. Some of us have been upset. I know families in our church who won't come back because they don't want to wear a mask. I know families in our church who have left because we did it online for a while. I'm not sure what the other options were. But I want to make it clear this morning what our goal was, what our goal is. And it is not to maintain tra traditional programming of the church. That's not our task. Uh, one of the things that, and, and look, I'm going to step on just about everybody's toes but my own this morning. Um, and the only reason I'm not stepping on mine is because I've already stepped on them this week. But one of the arguments traditionally about him singing in the church is that the young people aren't going to be able to read music. That's one of the arguments. You know, if we don't have hymn books, we're going to lose the art of reading music. Just so you know, the purpose of the church is not to teach people how to read music. I mean, that may be true, and there's nothing wrong with teaching music, but do that on Tuesday afternoon. But what we gather, we gather to worship the Lord, encourage each other, to spur each other on to love and good deeds, and some other things that I want to share with you this morning. But I want to warn you of something that happened to the church of Ephesus. This is a phenomenal church. This is a church that Timothy pastored. This is a church that Paul pastored. This is the church that John the Apostle pastored and wrote First and Second and Third John to, the church of Ephesus. And Jesus wrote them a letter, and I've taught it many times because I think this is actually where the church is today. And it may be that in the last 12 months, God has been trying to say the same thing to us. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 2, he says, I know all the things that you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know that you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they're apostles but are not. You've discovered that they're liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. It doesn't get much better than that. I mean, if we were to look at that church and mark off those things, we'd say that is a healthy church. But that's not what Jesus said. Verse 4 says, But I have this one complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Whoa! Good doctrine. Good programming. Uh, careful study of the Scriptures to find out if something's right or wrong or someone is right or wrong. All of those things. But they don't love God or each other. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among churches. I actually feel that while the American church is losing her grip on the moral compass of this country, while we're freaking out 
about losing our, her moral compass. Maybe the hidden sins of the church, her secret sins are being exposed right now. That is a worship of worship. When was the last time you turned on worship music and actually listened to the words to see if they're true? I don't know if they're right or not, but they touch my soul. Do they or do they make your emotions flow? I mean, truth exists. What if right now in the body of Christ, and I mean the evangelical church, what if, what if this virus isn't the result of judgment on the world, but it's a refining of the body of Christ? What if you at home are deciding right now if it's worth getting up and getting your family ready and going to church? What if it's so easy to get out of practice of fellowshipping? You realize that the reason we gather isn't just to hear great preaching, and you do get great preaching at Carpenter's Way. Amen. That's not it. You know, Pam, I think in 15 years, that's the first time you complimented me with an amen. You get hugged after the service if we... But the truth... The tr I... She grabbed her mask. Okay. The church's purpose, you guys, isn't just to hear preaching and teaching, but it's to, it's to spur each other on, to look at each other, to say it's okay, because the world is freaking out. The world, and the church is no exception. Many in the church are holding out that this week, Donald Trump will still be president. What if that doesn't happen? What happens to your joy? The answer to that question will tell you where you put your hope. And the truth is, our hope needs to be firmly founded in God. He is the only one that can make us constant that can make us consistent. If he is not your hope, you will have to self-medicate. Alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever, or self-righteousness, legalism, anger, hatred, those are, those are adrenaline rushes of self-medicating. The problem with the church of Ephesus in Revelation 2 is you could stamp those very same things on legalistic churches that don't offer love and hope to people who are lost and say the same thing about them. That doesn't make them healthy. You see, this is a, transfer, a transformative relationship with God. It changes us from the inside out. I know, um, I know that this is a rough start to a message on the new year, but wait till next week when we get into Ananias and Sapphira. I know, you kind of groaned and laughed. That's seriously the text last, next week. Why would God kill him for just lying about giving? It's such a weird reason for corporal punishment. Unless you're God and you've been lied to. You see, pendulum swings is the problem with humanity. Our grandparents were so heavy on fear of the Lord that then their kids went into a reactionary grace of God. And now we have hyper grace where we don't believe God judges anybody where we even teach in the church that God loves you as you are, and there's not a bigger lie in all of Christendom than that. He died for you while you are what you are, while you were yet a sinner, but He sent His Holy Spirit to transform you. He actually said, I have to leave to send somebody greater than myself to change you. God doesn't want to leave you as you are. He wants to transform you to make you in the image of His Son. You see, the problem with the church is we keep teaching people with spiritual psychobabble how to be good humans. And God doesn't want you to be a good human. He wants you to be a good child of His. And that can't happen by sheer will 
or by guilt or shame or hard work or right voting. It happens by surrendering control of your life to the Holy Spirit's power. Um, next week, we're going to go back to our verse-by-verse look at Acts, and it will begin with the joyous message of Ananias and Sapphira, which is a wonderful place to start. But this morning, I'd like to talk with you about our local church family where I believe God is doing a new old thing. I do. I, do, I believe that there's a new old thing happening at Carpenter's Way Baptist Church. I'd like to talk to you about what I believe, God, who is the only senior pastor of Carpenter's Way. You'll notice that my job title is not senior pastor. Before I even came, the elders decided that the only senior pastor was Jesus. We're going to have a lead pastor, and I am king. Just kidding. I'm the lead pastor. I'm not the senior. Jesus Christ is the senior pastor, and the elders gather to make sure that his will, based upon scriptural principles, are being done. So you might want to ask yourself, what's the difference between lead and senior? Well, the senior pastor sets the agenda for the church, not the lead pastor. See, my job as a pastor, the job as the elders as pastors, is to study the scriptures to see what it teaches us to do. And that doesn't change because we're in a pandemic. It doesn't change because uh, the world says it's illegal. Nothing changes because our mandate is given from the king. And I'd like to begin this morning, this, this uh, half-hour time with you, by, uh, by reminding you of the mandate of God's followers given to the disciples in Matthew 8, uh, 28. In Matthew 28, right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told the disciples, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teach these new disciples. So the mandate wasn't to make new little Christians or new aisle walkers or new church-going folk, but to make disciples. Disciple is a New Testament term for a student of a rabbi. The goal was that Jesus wanted these guys, after he left, to minister to people and make them followers, not of them as disciples, but of him as Jesus, the rabbi. So teach these new disciples to obey all these commands that I've given you. And the impetus of that line is I want you to teach these new disciples to be disciple makers. So in other words, I want you to go out and make disciples because I'm leaving. And then I want those disciples to make disciples. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This last year, God was with his disciples. The question isn't whether God was with his disciples. The question is whether you're a disciple. Well, yes, I'm saved. That's not what I asked. You see, a disciple follows Jesus, not Trump or Biden. A disciple jumps them. A disciple wants things. A disciple wishes for things, wants a good job, wants to take care of his family, wants a comfortable life. But a disciple understands that he follows Jesus into the uncomfortable things. Might I remind you that it was a religious people that killed Jesus. Jesus said, and it was in that video, in this world you're going to have trouble. There's no guarantees for 2021. But as a child of God, we should be leaning into what God has for us in this great adventure we call life. Please remember that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will take care of itself. Seek the kingdom of God. And the truth is, unless the Lord comes back for us first, we're all going to die. Some of us, it may be this year, some by COVID, some by cancer. And I'm not saying you should be foolish. I'm simply saying that this is what happened after the garden and our place of rest and our place of hope and our place of no trouble is the kingdom of God. 
When we get out of this work mode, we go into our rest. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, I'm going to have you come and be with me when you're done with your task. We are the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. And this mandate that was for the disciples is also for the church. But what's interesting here is that the church is not, okay, pay attention to this because you may want to push back and it's okay. But I would like to wrestle and say that I do not believe that the church as a gathering place is an evangelistic event. It's a discipleship event. Sunday mornings are not supposed to be the place you bring your lost friends so they can hear the gospel. You are the place that they are supposed to hear the gospel. This is where you come to be reminded of the gospel. This is where you come to be reminded that God is still with you even to the end of the age. It was just decided, or Pelosi has put on the floor, that no longer in the House of Representatives, if this passes, are they supposed to use pronouns he, she, him, or her. But neutral pronouns because of the transgender community. Does that make me crazy? More than you could possibly imagine. But that's exactly what Romans said was going to happen. Why am I surprised by all this? Well, we've got to stop it. Why? Why do we have to stop it? You see, my job is to go out there and tell people who are living in the flesh when it self-destructs that there's hope for them. See, my job isn't to stop people from sinning. My job is to help people understand that there's a Savior for sinners. Now, I'm going to vote morality. I'm going to vote pro-life. I'm going to vote the things that I believe are the biblical value systems, but I'm tired of losing sleep over this, and Fox News is trying to freak me out so I'll get more angry. And anger is not a fruit of the Spirit. And I know somebody's going to write and say, well, Jesus was angry. He was angry at the religious leaders that I'm totally focused on nationalism, not on Jehovah worship. Oh, that's that California value system. He's a liberal. No, I'm just here to make disciples of Jesus, not of America. And the truths of Scripture, and there's a place, okay, I want to pause. If you are politically active, if God's calling you to run for president, if you follow Scripture, you got my vote. I'm not saying you shouldn't run for mayor. I'm not saying you shouldn't run for governor. I'm not saying you shouldn't run for high priest of the country. What I'm here to tell you is Jesus first and foremost. Well, you can't win if you live by that. Then lose. Lose to the glory of God. You know, if if the country decides that gathering or preaching the gospel is illegal, I'm still going to preach the gospel. If the country decides that I can no longer preach sin without losing our tax-exempt status, I'm sorry, we're all going to lose our tax-exempt status. If they call us a cult, let me say it this way. If everybody decides that the Bible is no longer the foundation of truth, it's still the foundation of truth. It doesn't matter. And sometimes we act like this is a huge debate in our country over what is truth. I know what truth is. This is not a debate. And with that in mind, while it seems like the church in our country right now is wondering what exactly the church looks like over the next few years, I want you to know that Carpenter's Way is going to look exactly like it does right now. It's going to look like it looks right now. Nothing's going to change except some of us may end up in jail. Well, we've got to stop that. Okay, go for it. You'll still end up in jail. 
Maybe while we are walking with God and pouring into people's lives, maybe actually like Paul, we go to jail and we can reach other prisoners for Jesus. You see, this isn't our lives, you guys. We've been bought with a price, and we have to glorify God with our bodies. Every moment of them. And then we go home and we can chill. Oh, I want to chill now. Sorry. You can't retire at 28. You can retire at 742 now. But if you want to retire at 28, you're going to be broke by 28 and a half. That's not how this works. And this is not time for us to retire. The, the fact is that I'm afraid, I think many of you know, because I talk about it all the time, the Bible gives a mandate for church leadership as to what we're supposed to look like. It's in Ephesians chapter 4, and Paul writes this. Their responsibility, whose responsibility, pastor? Church leadership. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. That does not mean numbers. It's not numerically. It's just our job. He's going to explain it. We are to work to build up the church, which is the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. When is that going to happen? When we're home. Then, the effect of that will be we're no longer immature, like children. What does that look like? Well, we won't be tossed around and blown by every new wind of teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. I mean, what has happened to the church when we're so turned on? Okay, and this is a... This, this is, I was going to say this before this conversation I'm talking to an individual that I had this morning, but the church today is more turned on by reading the story of a guy who had a dream about what heaven's like than they are reading the scriptures about heaven. That's a problem, right? Or reading a book about hell that a guy writes because he spent 20 minutes in hell. I mean, think about how stupid that is. There's a lot of us who say, I wish I knew the Bible better. Have you ever read it? Well, no, I don't have time. Not if you're watching The Good Doctor. What are our priorities, family? We say that the Word of God is final authority for us, but do we live it? Do you want to be hopeful, or do you want to know hope? I want to remind you that this is the same struggle Exactly, that the Jews had. God put his tent of meeting right in the middle of the encampment of the Jews after they were released from Egypt. And they begged Moses to move it outside of the camp so that he could go alone and meet with God and that he could tell them what he had learned. Because they didn't want to meet with God. They wanted somebody else to meet with God. And I'm telling you, here's my prophecy. You ready? The days of this are coming to an end. You better know this book. And if not in your life, in your kid's life. And if not in your kid's life, in their kid's life. This is coming to a close. This Western-style church Sunday morning thing. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm telling you, our job as elders is to prepare you for that. And your job as parents is to prepare your kids for that. Our job is to edify and equip and to make sure you know God's Word, not about God's Word. 
We're to equip God's people to do the work and build up his church. It's the responsibility of church leadership, of our church leadership. And there are no exclusion clauses for evil or bad government, immoral culture, racial problems, or even poverty. It's our, it's our job description in good times and bad, in the United States, in Zimbabwe, in Mexico, China, Iran, and Jerusalem. If Carpenter's Way was a church just planted in Iran, our mandate would be exactly the same. Our programming would not. So we should be prepared to be growers and teachers no matter what happens culturally. Nothing changes for us, just our comfort. God is still on the throne. He is still the one from which we have been saved. He is still our hope. He is everything, unless he's not. If you worship America, America is your only hope. And you will find great discouragement and depression as you watch this country. It seems to be sinking into some sort of weird, depraved state. And maybe it will come back. I don't know if it will or not. I sure hope it does. I've got little Sam on my lap yesterday, and I'm praying for him at 5.30 in the morning. Why can't he sleep until 7? But I'm praying for him. I'm praying for a godly wife for him. Not so that he would be happy, but so they would be strong in the Lord. God is the center of everything. And I hope that we've learned that this last year. If you put God as just part of your life, then you're going to be mad when you lose an election. If you put God as, as, as the moral answer to the moral problem of America, just if they would accept biblical Judeo-Christian principles, if we try to litigate morality, it won't work. And our kids are gone, so I can make this PG-13. Might I remind you that when God wrote a law for the Jews, in that law, he talked about sexual rules with animals. Do you know why? Because even the Hebrews back in the day had a problem with that kind of immorality. And I know I just grossed some of you out. That's because it's gross. And I remind you that immorality and depravity is not new. Remember what Cain did to his brother Abel? Simply because he brought the white, right worship article to God and he didn't want to do that. He murdered him. The world is not worse than it ever has been. It's always been this way. It's sad. That's why God started it over with the flood. And within a year, one of his sons is uh, doing something sexual with his father Noah, and he's drinking himself unconscious, and that allows it to happen. Even Noah couldn't keep it straight. How crazy is this? Very crazy. God is the answer. Do you believe that? They know him. The problem is that we like Christianity. I'm not sure we like God all that much. I mean, we do. We like the grace thing. And we like when he answers prayer, like taking cancer away and giving us our resources we need. But I'm not sure we like God next week when he kills Ananias and Sapphira in the front of the church, we're all going to leave. You're going to leave, I promise, going, whoa, that was tough. That's because we don't know God as he is. You know, this isn't a Mark Wilkie thing or an our church thing. I'm str I struggle with t-shirts for churches, okay? This is Mark's opinion. Why? Because the church isn't supposed to be high-fiving herself. Come to Carpenter's Way because, well, with transfers of membership, we'll give you six months, tithe three. Our church can beat your church in softball. It's not our church. 
It's Jesus' church. And this is supposed to be all about Jesus. And the elders aren't supposed to be teaching you how to be good husbands and wives and parents. The elders are supposed to maintain you becoming like Christ. That's the message of the church, the word of God. And as you become more like Christ, guess what? You become like the perfect husband. As you become more like Christ, you become the perfect wife. As you become more like Christ, you become his follower, and you don't freak out when your rabbi takes you down difficult roads. This has always been a problem in the church. It's not a new problem. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. This, that is not a gentle start to this chapter. He's saying, look, what I say now comes from God, and he is going to judge you for it, Timothy. Young Pastor Tim, preach the word. Not just any word, but the word of God. Young Timothy, you better be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. You need to patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They'll follow their own desires, and they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. That's not very nice. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Wow. This is the church of Ephesus he's pastoring. This is the young church. This is way back within 50 years of Jesus' life. That's a pretty intense thing to write. And I want to tell you that when he talks about people chasing lies that sound like the truth or having their ears tickled, I'm going to throw in some things that I think we should be concerned about and you should be discerning of. Bethel music. 80% of the music, of Christian music today, comes out of Bethel. Do you know they believe... And it's a quote from Bill Johnson, who was the starter of that whole ministry. He believes that Jesus, the man, wasn't necessary, that any of us could take in his place. That any human inhabited by the Holy Spirit could have been the Jesus. Just so you know, that's called heresy. And there's a lot of music coming out of there. Uh, Chad, who grew up in a more charismatic bent than most of us in this room, won't even use their music, and I respect him for that. Because while you're singing the same words, you don't know what they mean. It's dangerous. Remember that song, um, Beautiful Things Out of Dust? It was a, such a beautiful song. Who sang that? Anybody know? Gunger. You know, they deny Christ. Thomas Jefferson, and I love picking on him because he's an antichrist, who wrote most of the things about God in Washington, D.C., actually rewrote the New Testament to say Jesus Christ was not God. In fact, he was just a teacher, and he removed in his version of the New Testament any references to supernatural activity besides from Jesus, including his resurrection and any miracles he performed. That's what John defines as an antichrist. But he's our guy, Thomas Jefferson. No, he's not. He's a tool of Satan. Jesus Christ is not an American. He's God, the Lion of Judah. And he stood before the great general of, Jew, of the armies of Hebrews who pulled his sword on the angel of the Lord and said, are you with us or our enemies? And the angel of the Lord said, neither. 
God isn't even on Israel's side. The question is, is Israel on God's side? The question of the church is not whether God's on our side. The question of the church is whether we're on God's side. And it is the job of this pastor, and it is the job of the elders of this church, not to help you become better humans, but to become disciples of Jesus Christ. No matter what you've done in the past, gay or straight, multi-marriages or not, whether you've used drugs or been in jail, or whether you have just been self-righteous, salvation is only available through Jesus Christ. It is not found by walking an aisle or being baptized. Uh, actually, the only way you know you're saved is if the fruit of the Spirit's presence is there. That's what Jesus taught. It's not Baptist, it's Jesus. Because the Baptists, we like to, Baptist evangelicals, we like to associate your salvation with walking an aisle and saying a few magic words. And while that may be your entrance into the relationship with God, the truth is, if, if that is a true transformative moment, then there will be a life after change. If you're watching online today and your life has never changed, don't go and have a doctrinal debate with Pastor Mark. Go on your knees to the Savior and tell him you want to be transformed. God does not love you as you are. He loved you while you were yet sinners and Christ died for you. But he wants to change you into the image of his son. And if anybody tells you you're pretty as you are, they're lying to you. I have a big nose. Anybody who tells me that I would be a good face model is a liar. Some of you get bad haircuts. And you know when it's bad. And when people tell you it's not bad, they are not your friends. But we all do it. I get it. I get it. I'm not... Don't start calling me going, do you really like my hair? I don't think anybody likes it. I'm just going to go, now that's a haircut. <laughs> there are ugly babies. Not my grandson, but yours. <laughs> we all know that. Sometimes they have a tough birth and they're, they look like an alien. It happens. We're, we're kind people. I get that. But the truth is, when it comes to spiritual things, we can't afford to be nice. It's not loving. Sin must be judged. And, and not... Not just one sin, all sin. And it's either thrown on Jesus on the cross or you're going to pay for it yourself. And God has graciously given you that option. But if he has redeemed you, he's earned your life. He's earned my life. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price, a very, very high price. And it's almost like the church today is trying to meld Happiness with the world, with a relationship with God. And that is, ex they killed Jesus. What makes us think they're going to like us? They're not going to like you. It doesn't mean you can be a jerk. It just means you've got to lift your eyes higher and follow Jesus. So what does that have to do with Carpenter's Way, which I said I would talk about? On the screen behind me is the logo of Carpenter's Way. Forever... Uh, for 15, 14 or 13 years, we have had another logo that says uh, all to maturity and some to leadership. And we've been pretty successful at that. Not only have we developed people who know the word of God but on t and, and, and attempted at every avenue to make maturity, we've seen young people go into ministry. That was the goal of that. And we're going to keep doing that. But that doesn't really mean anything to those that come in. They don't, they, that doesn't mean anything. And so uh, a couple years ago, Jeff and I started talking about changing up the logo. That would just, just explain exactly what we want to be as a church. What sets Carpenter's Way aside from other churches? And we came up with these three words. And if you don't like them, it was Jeff's idea. And if you love them, it was my idea. <laughs> but we wanted a logo that would exemplify what, we have, what our plan is for the future.
Three words. Biblical, simple, and real. Now, I want to go through those for a moment. Number one, well, Romans 10, 17. Can you put it up there, please? Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. If you're going to grow in faith, which we all struggle with, you're going to have to know him through his word. This verse does not say truth is found in what the Baptist church has traditionally taught or what Bethel's music says or what the Mormons say. Truth is found in the word of God. And we have that. Most of us have multiple versions of it. Actually, most of you have a little phone in your hand that has dozens of versions in it. But you cannot simply look at one verse somebody puts on Facebook without, and, and put a modern context to it. No matter how many times it's said, 2 Chronicles 7.14 is not for the United States of America. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked way, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. That is the marching call of the church that's nationalistic. It's not actually contextually accurate. It has nothing to do with the United States of America. That was a promise God made to the Hebrew people at the dedication of the temple. And God told them, you're going to sin. They said, no, we're not. You're going to turn your back on me. No, we're not. Well, listen, you are, and here's the deal. When you do, you're going to come to a point where you're going to repent. I'm going to hear from heaven. I'm going to heal your land. Nothing to do with the United States of America. My goodness, you want to impact this country? How about the church actually let God lead your life? There's like 70-some percent that claim to be evangelicals in this country. And abortion is still legal? How do you do that? Porn is the number one thing looked at on the internet? Well, it's all the unsaved people. No, it's not. We aren't living out what we claim. We just found out that some of our heroes, oh my gosh, this has been a terrible year for Christian leaders' morality. The guy from Hillsong, New York, just got removed from ministry for sexual exploitation. Hillsong, Australia, is, uh, they have a, their whole leadership discipleship thing, multiple sexual exploits in there. They're actually using their young people as sex toys. All you got to do is get online. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. It's incredible. Ravi Zacharias, they found out things post-death. You know why? Because the local church is where it's at. You're supposed to know me. You're supposed to see me at the, wall, at the mall with Julie. And when we don't see you, you can watch how I treat her or my kids. If I'm elbowing her in the face, there's something wrong with my walk. Actually, if you see her elbow me in the face, that's normal. <laughs> Just kidding, hon. Trying to bring you down to earth, babe. I'm going to need lunch and dinner for the next few days. You know what I'm saying. You, you know me. My gosh, you guys stare at me too much. People come up and go, are you okay? I'm really fine. You don't look good. That's because I threw my back out. Or, oh, and, but that's what we're supposed to do. We've got to know each other. Because I am stupid, and I'm sinful, and I feel sorry for myself, and sometimes I want to self-medicate, and it's your job to keep me on task. My job is not to be a hero. My job is to open the Word of God to you to keep you on God's Word, to remind you that my ideas about Scripture are absolutely irrelevant. That's my job too. But God's ideas on Scriptures are completely relevant. That's our job because faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of Christ. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces the division and soul of the spirit of joints and marrow and, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed by God. 
the very breath of God. And it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And if our job as elders is to make sure that you are equipped for the work God has tasked you with, then it is our job to give you the Word of God. Nothing else. My opinions on child rearing may be I mean, you might look at my kids and say, they've done pretty well. What, how did you do that? And I can give you ideas, but that has nothing to do with pulpit time. God himself had grandkids that murdered. His own kids rebelled against him. Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, those were his kids. Those were his grandkids. I'm not saying that all the time it works out perfect, but I'm simply saying my opinion on parenting <laughs> there's not a, we, we act like there's a magic key you put in. If you turn it the right way, you'll be rich and happy and healthy. You're being lied to if you believe that. Ask Stephen, who was teaching Sunday school and got stoned to death. This is a troublesome life where they killed our Savior. Our job should not be to survive and survive well. Our job is to be focused on Jesus and trust Him. And our job is to be biblical in all things, even the stuff you don't want to hear. Like, for instance, the church is obsessed with homosexual relationships and marriage, but seems to be completely unconcerned with adultery. I, I don't... Look, I, I'm, I'm not a good Baptist. I, I know that, and you know that. And maybe, maybe my moral compass is off a little bit, and I'm, what I'm about to say, I've said before, and I just want you to think about, and you need to evaluate it for yourself. But if you own a baking company and you won't make a cake for people of same-sex marriages, how do you explain a way that couples that are living together, you make cakes for them? Is one sin actually worse than the other? I'm not saying stop or start. I'm just saying, how do you answer that? If one is taking a stand, what are you then saying how God deals with immoral same-sex or opposite-sex attraction? This is either all about God or not. We are not the moral police of our country. We are the redemptive police. And our job is to stand back and go, how's that working for you? With the person you built a relationship with, even if they are married to another dude. And when they tell you it's not working well, that's when you say, yeah, marriage outside of God doesn't work well. You need Jesus. Church, God is our hope. God is their hope. And the Word of God never changes. And it's going to get us in trouble. And as long as I'm part of Carpenter's Way, and the elder board that is present is part of Carpenter's Way, and the shepherding elders of Carpenter's Way is here in leadership, we will never waver from God's Word. We will waver from traditional programming. Having coffee, not having coffee. Meeting, doing it online. We will waver from that but we will never waver from God's word as final authority. And let me explain that to you. 99.9% .9 of the time, that means we are going to teach the scriptures within their context. Why did I say 99.9 and not 100%? Because over Christmas, I did a five-week series on Advent, and I didn't do a book. I just took some, and I still did it within context, but you've got to trust me on that. Or hold me accountable. You need to watch what I teach. You need to watch the verses I pull. You need to make sure I'm using them within context. And I promise you, as I have before, if you catch me, or I didn't know, or you correct me, and you're right, I will tell the church next Sunday I was out of line, and I will redefine that verse. And you guys have seen me do that before, haven't you? Because it ain't about Mark. 
All right, it's a little bit about Mark. <laughs> I'm kidding, you guys. This is real. This is God. This is hell. This is heaven. This is intimacy with the creator of the universe. This is eternal life. And we're toying with it like it's a religious bank or a, a moral movement. It's a movement of God. We're going to be biblical. And I'm so excited for our children's department to begin this, this new gospel project material. If you keep your kids here, they're going to know the Bible. Every two years, they're going to go in the, through the whole Bible. How crazy is that? One more thing. If we can't because of the virus, even if we can, why aren't you teaching your own children? Please, don't wait for the church to do it. Be the church in your home. Number two is simple. The Greek language, um, and I've, I've got two and a half minutes to finish. Okay, so real quick, let me just explain this. The Greek uh, that the Bible is written in is called Koine Greek. It means common Greek. Until the, uh, the late 1800s, early 19th century, or late 19th century, see, early, eight, try it again, late 1800s, people mocked and said that the, one of the evidences that the Bible is not real is that the Greek used in the Bible doesn't match the Greek that they found in legal documents of Rome and back in biblical times. And they said that the, the result of that, what they believed was that the disciples had made up a language to make an exclusive cult as if it was a heavenly language. While never even claimed that, that's what the world and the cynics said. Well, in the early 1900s, in the 20th century, they started excavating um, the marketplaces, the homes of the poor, slave quarters, and guess what they found? Koine Greek. And the reason it's in Koine Greek and not legal Greek or religious hierarchy Greek is because it was written for you to read and to understand. Unless you're not supposed to understand it. The problem is, guys like me keep getting you to obsess over areas you don't understand. And we can't answer them. I have no idea when the Lord's going to return. I do know that it's, it's quicker than yesterday. I just don't know if it's going to be next week. It could be next week. And with all the people guessing, one of them is going to be right. But unfortunately for them, if they're part of the family of God, they're going to be gone and not care. <laughs> the truth is, we don't know when God's going to return. We don't know what it looks like. What we do know is there's going to be tribulation before the tribulation. So stop fighting for pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, rapture, and walk with God. Everything else is a distraction. Simple. Uh, election. I believe the scripture teaches that God chooses those. He said, Jesus said, not one that my father has given me will I lose. That's good enough for me. On the other hand, there's other verses that says, whosoever will may come. I believe both. I was called a coward last month for that. Okay, I'm God's coward. I can't explain it away. The church has been trying to for 700 years. I believe God is sovereign. I also believe he is inviting. I'm not going to figure it out. I don't understand the Trinity, I just know it's true. And I'm not going to spend one Sunday trying to explain the Trinity to you because nobody understands Him. He's God. It's simple. The stuff we're supposed to understand is simple. It takes some work because you have to understand the context, the history, and all that stuff. But within what we have, it, there isn't that many controversies in Scripture. There's a lot of churches, though, that are committed to the doctrine of the traditional church than they are the Word of God. We're going to stick with the Bible and simple, literal interpretation of it. 
Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Even Paul refers to the Scripture as final authority. Last thing, real. This is real. It's real, really. It's really, really real. Jesus did die and he rose from the dead. The hope of the Lord, even in disappointment and trial, can be real. The joy of the Lord, even in the midst of fear and frustration or tribulation, is real. The peace of God that goes beyond our ability to understand it, even in the midst of tragedy and personal, personal uh, sickness, is real. God is real. So is sin. So is forgiveness and mercy and grace and eternity with Him. So are the, is the wages of unrepentant sin. So is the call to pick up your cross, put your selfish ambition aside and follow Him. So is needing each other to spur each other on to love and good deeds. So is encouragement. So is the need for accountability. So is our need to be warned about false teaching. So is postpartum depression. That's real too. So is financial frustration. That's real. So is fear for future because of politics. So is hell. So is hope in God. So is seeking first the kingdom of God. It's all real. And it all fits together. You're going to go through life and there's going to be things that scare you, depress you, alarm you, upset you. But that's why we gather. Not just to listen to the eloquent, humorous preaching of Pastor Mark Wilkie. You can laugh. But so you can look in each other's eyes, put your hand on somebody's six feet back, pretend you're putting your hand on somebody's shoulder and saying, it's going to be okay. God's got this. What if they die? He's got that too. What if Trump loses this week? God's not sleeping. Well, what good is this? Well, if, if it's about America, it's not good. If it's about eternity, it's just fine. Ask Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were kidnapped by an evil Nebuchadnezzar and taken out of the Hebrew city into the capital city of Babylon where they were forced to mediate between their Hebrew people and an evil, evil king. God asks that of his servants. Are you willing to be his servant? Biblical, simple, and real. That's what we're going to do while bringing all the maturity and some into leadership. We're not going to make it complicated. We're not going to build a choir. We're not going to build huge drama departments. We're not going to build five-story tower. Well, there may be a, maybe a four-story tower, but not a five-story tower here with my name on it. We're going to keep that name forefront. And Mark, one day, will be taken home. I have no intention of leaving. You're stuck. There goes half the church. But we're going to talk about him nonstop. And we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And if you're looking for a place to be discipled, then Carpenter's Way is your place. If you're looking for a place to be lied to, you're going to hate this place. Uh, that was pretty bold, I know, but it is really kind of where we're at right now. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You're going to see this all over the church now. You're going to see it in our emails. You're going to see it all over. Why? Because we want you to know what we do. 
so that when you come and have concerns, and my office is always open. The elders are always available. When you become a member of Carpenter's Way, you'll meet with an elder. And the reason is twofold. Number one, we want to hear your story. Number two, we want you to know who you can talk to if you have concerns. We're not, you're fine coming with your concerns, but we're going to answer your concerns and try to explain why we do what we do. This has been a heck of a year, this last year. I expect 2021 to be just as crazy. Buckle your seatbelts, kids. We're going to follow God. And that is a weird ride. That is a weird ride. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, help us to be disciples, fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. We love you. Now help us to be faithful to you. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word that does not return void and that if we stick closely to, we'll do just fine. And by the way, Lord, we are ready for you to come back. Come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. But until that moment, may we be faithful to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Bible studies are going to start in five minutes. Thank you. See you next Sunday.